Hi, this is Ansu Cisse with Real Game, brought to you by Basketball Psychology, the show that brings basketball and other sports to you in a way that you can easily understand. I'm here with CG and Mike, and today we got another banker. So I'm going to let CG get us started, man. And first things first, good morning, fellas. How y'all doing? Good morning. Doing well, doing well. Today we got it. Yeah, today we got a topic. It's been it's been pretty profound, pretty hot topic in the media, especially in the sports media. Uh officiating and just refereeing and you know, some of the missed calls and just some of the inconsistencies with officiating this year. Um, the biggest thing that I wanna touch on is I see a lot of people I would say complain about officiating but they may not necessarily know the rules and the the things that officials are told to watch and just how they change every single season. I know y'all remember when we was at Tyler, uh, both years they brought in officials to talk to us before the season even started. And yeah. it was just, yeah, just telling us like about the different rule changes and the things they were going to be watching for. Uh I don't think the common fan knows that that stuff goes on as regularly as it does. Yeah. I can agree to that. Um, And just noticing that every year, like you just said, like the the game is continuously changing. They're looking for new things um, and looking to control the game in, in certain ways. And, and making sure that it's not getting too out of hand. And a lot of times I think because players are so emotional and it 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 makes the common fan react somewhat in the same way because of if a call doesn't go their way or if it's something new, then it's it's it just doesn't look right and those emotions carry on to the common fan too, so Absolutely. Uh, so I want to take a look at some of the some of the rules or the the points of emphasis that they're really trying to crack down on this year, and as far as the NCAA and NBA. Uh, so the first one is uh, when you establish your pivot foot and you j- you jab one direction and go, and then you drag your pivot before dribbling. That's something that I've been seeing a lot. They've been calling a lot and players have been upset about it but a lot of times uh that is a travel like players are going too fast or moving too fast and not establishing that pivot foot uh, before they dribble i can i can name two guys in the nba who do it a lot go ahead um triple j the mm. play for memphis he travels a lot and it's two all-stars, matter of fact. <laughs> the second all-star is Jalen Brown. I have seen him do that a lot yeah, as well. Definitely. They they've been calling it on him though, uh, at least more than more than they have in the past. Yeah, he he seems to think that they're picking on him, but it's an obvious travel. Mm-hmm. Like they they get away with it a lot in the NBA. Definitely. But if you were to go to Europe and you do those same things, 
it's not even a controversy. They're calling it every time. I agree. I've even I've even started to see them call it a lot more in uh, grassroots, yeah, uh, and just in high school, and then obviously in college too. Yeah, one thing I want to kind of put on there too is like the fact of sometimes it is a controversy because I see early on in the seasons a lot of times the refs are hammering home certain rules and like that pivot thing. Uh, they start to get a little bit more lenient towards the end. So it's whenever you're you're giving some type of leeway, guys are get used to certain things and then they'll start complain, complaining once you're trying to enforce those rules back again. So mm-hmm. uh the next next point of emphasis uh they've been focusing on is freedom of movement. And that goes for the perimeter, the post. Screens and dribble handoffs. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm i going to skip right to the dribble handoffs because <laughs> that is one of the ones that irk my nerves as a player. Um, and I do understand establishing your, your um, feet first and making sure you're set whenever you're doing those dribble handoffs. But I think that um, a lot of the refs need to look closer in and um, see if those players are actually trying to run into the ball handler who's handing the ball off. Because just like we know the rules, they know the rules too. And they're like, okay, whenever there's a dribble handoff, if I just run right into the guy who's handing the ball off, that's an automatic foul, balls the other way. Turnover, so. yeah, they do that a lot. They'll just run into you and flop. And they get the call more more likely than not. Yeah, because it breaks their freedom of movement. Exactly. Uh, the one that that kind of sticks out to me is on the on the perimeter. Um, kind of, you know, the rule that you were taught. I don't know if y'all were taught it actually, but somebody cuts across your face, you meet him with a forearm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you can't even do that according to the rules anymore because you uh interrupting the offensive players freedom of movement uh-huh. and so yeah because you like they're going on their path and you can't bump them off their path or like change their course and so i feel like just that's something that a lot of people aren't aware of and they think like how is that a foul but in reality according to the rules it's supposed to be what sport are we playing here <laughs> you can't interrupt their freedom of movement. They're trying to emphasize just everybody, offense and defense, having the ability to move freely. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not too upset about them, like, picking at small things of um, of the offensive player, like the pivot thing we are talking about. Because, I mean, if you're going to make it easier for guys to – move around the court and or not get fouled or just moving around the court, then you, you have to limit the offensive player in some type of way. You can't allow them to just travel and do different things within that nature. So. Next one, this has been a big, big change, a couple of big changes actually. We're going to start with the NBA, the take foul. I know Sue feels real strongly about that. Why don't you tell us your thoughts about that, Sue? Uh, 
I feel like the take foul is a great idea. I feel like because they take they, it away, right? Take taking, taking it, away. it taking it away and not being able to just foul with no consequences is great because now you have to get back and actually play defense, and that's something that they implemented in Europe first. And you and once they seen that it worked in Europe, they brought it to the NBA. I think that they should also implement that in college basketball if they haven't. But I just feel like the take foul is 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 amazing. It's good for for everybody in my opinion because it just it forces you to play defense. And now if you don't and you do make that foul they getting the free throw and the ball back. So that's a that's a that's a three point swing. That's a three or four point swing just off of, you know, you you, you being lazy and not wanting to get back. Most definitely. Yeah, especially in the NBA where it's home to some of the best best athletes in the world. Uh that take foul is just it ruins some of the excitement for the game. Like, you know, the fast breaks, that's Fans love to see that, and people love to see that. So I think it's great that they took that away and just provide the opportunity and, you know, doesn't bail the defense out. They actually got to get a stop. Yes, sir. And then the last rule, new to college basketball this year, I believe, is uh, the flop rule. And basically that's just if you flop, you're awarded a warning. And then after that, it's a Class B technical. Oh, I mean, I I, I like that that rule. I can definitely um, <laughs> agree to that. Trust me. Look, in in my game, I say this much. <laughs> this is the flop king. It's a skill. First, I say that much. But definitely, definitely does need to um, have some type of cutback. I'll say that much in terms of the the unnecessary flops here and there, just for just just to do it type thing. So I I, I definitely like that rule. I'll say that much. I'll let you in on on a little insight that I have found. They actually a lot of the the committee for the the rules committee for the NCAA, they're trying to upgrade it to where it's no longer a warning. It's just as soon as you flop, it's a tag. Hmm. So I've got a couple of different warnings. So like like y'all already spilled the beans, definitely would flop here and there. <laughs> <laughs> get those calls, get to the free throw line. But yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I, I do not believe that flopping is great for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it, it does. It's not exciting. A lot of the fans aren't going to just love seeing that, and and it slows the game down a lot too. Right. But these players are so good nowadays that it's it's hard to stop them from manipulating the game because that's really all flopping is and they're they're going to find ways so basically the NCAA and the NBA are basically just trying to 
find a way to cut back on it a little bit. Yeah, and it's and it's even harder on the NBA level when you have guys when you have a team of players like the 76ers that foul bait. You know, James Harden and uh Joel Embiid over there. Joel averaged like he he right Second behind most. Yeah, he right behind Giannis. He like got this, he averaged the second most free throws in the league, I think. And moving so I on. do got a question, one more question about the flop rule though. Go ahead. So as we all know, most charges that happen are basically flops. Because a lot of the guys are actually throwing themselves back in a sense. Do you think that they would implement a flop rule within the charges too? Like, could it be a tech within their nature? Okay. It's already implemented. Uh, I think that's really where you see some of the the most uh, flop calls, you know, granted is when players try to take a charge because uh, most of the time they'll brace for the impact and they'll try to lunge their body backwards or like throw their head back. I know that's actually in the rules. A player, if if they see them throw their head back, then that could be considered a flop. Okay. So, yeah, they're trying to crack down on it as best they can in all ways. I know they're trying to get it out of the game. I like that. I definitely do. (laughs) Man, moving on to the next thing. Uh Something new that we've seen in the NBA in the last couple of years is the challenge. Uh, teams being able to challenge calls. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with that. Uh, right now in the NBA, you get one challenge per game. Uh, and if you if you win your challenge, uh, you get to keep a timeout. If you lose the challenge, uh, you lose a timeout. I'm a big proponent of I believe that if you win your challenge, then you're able to keep it. I think mm-hmm. it's only I think it's only right. That, that's the same way. Or well, I ain't gonna say they do that in the NFL because in, in the NFL, I believe they get two, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't be opposed to that either. In the NBA, you get one per half or just two for the whole game. I think that would be good, just because it's clear that officials miss calls and sometimes. You need to be able to challenge it more than once. Yeah. I have a um how can I say this? I'm not a big fan of of the the challenging. Um <clears throat> I I do think there are instances where it is good and there are instances where it, is not so good. Um, and in terms of, I've seen a lot of plays where guys will have the ball in their hand and a guy will swipe at the ball and the momentum from swiping at the ball pushes the ball out of the guy's hands. And once you slow that down, every single time is going to be out on the guy who was actually holding the ball. Mm-hmm. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to, to, um, 
to get behind certain plays like that. But I I, I think the that we should keep um less challenges out of it. I, I'll say that much. I don't think it should be more. Mm-hmm. But there there's an argument for that. I'll say that much. Yeah, I have to disagree with you on that one, Mike. Because just like Chris said, there are a lot of calls that are missed, and not not I'm not even going to infer on that type of call because that is the least of the calls that happen with with challenges. I'm more so talking about like fouls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fouls that happen where. Where they might they they'll challenge because they didn't get the call right, or they'll when they do when they do challenge they'll have the foul on someone, and they didn't even foul, and they and they'll go back and have to and change who they called the foul on. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, and especially with anything dealing with with fouls in the, at the end of the game. Yes, I'm. That's I'm that's that's that. huge. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that even needs to be implemented on the college level. That was where I was going to segue next. Is do y'all think we college basketball should adopt the challenge rule? Yeah, I do. Right. We could talk about that all day. I feel like <laughs> it's some games personally that we didn't got robbed out of. Man. Definitely. Because there wasn't a challenge. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's just you can't expect officials to be 100% perfect. So that's why I think the challenge is necessary. That's why the, the replay should be there, challenge, all that. Because, like like you said, officials, like their their eyes are just like ours. They're not – it's impossible for them to see everything that goes on. So – I feel like we're implementing that. Then it gives them a second chance to go back and look at it. They can slow it down, get get a real good look, see everything for what it is. And then after that, once you get a few sets of eyes on it and they really assess, then they can give you an accurate call. And I just feel like that is, that's great for us. Definitely. <clears throat> I can tell you who would have liked to have a challenge this weekend, and that's the Duke Blue Devils. Oh, man. I don't don't know if y'all caught that game this weekend, but Duke played Virginia at Virginia, uh, went down to the very last possession, uh, inbounds play with one second. Player player drives to the rim, goes up to dunk. He's met by two players at the rim, one who blocks it partially, but – like fouls him with his body and another player who completely just like takes him out the air pretty much slapped his arms all day. Wow. And so originally the call, it was called, they called it a foul, but then they went to go review it. And then the refs ended up overturning it. So the game went to overtime and Duke eventually lost in overtime. But after the game, uh, the conference, the ACC, they deemed that the refs correct, they incorrectly changed the call. So it should have been a foul. The foul should have stood. and Duke should have got two shots to win the game. Wow. And, so like, go ahead. Go ahead. And on top of that, 
they started the clock before it was supposed to start on that play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, as soon as the ball was passed inbounds, the clock started instead of as soon as somebody touched it. So there was a lot of stuff going on over there. Uh, this is this is not the first time we've seen uh, a late game miss call. We could take it back a few weeks to Celtics Lakers LeBron. <laughs> Uh, the LeBron the temper tantrum. Yeah, you know, when he had the little debacle. Um so why do y'all think these these calls are missed in, in the these late game situations? I think it goes right back to what you what you um said a little bit earlier about how the refs aren't perfect. Um and they are human. And um Another thing that could take into account is some refs are are, are biased in, in a way. Um, yeah, I could tell you one thing. They're not missing those in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think that is something that has to be looked at, too, um, in terms of what refs are refereeing what games. I know there was an instance on um, Twitter and different things of that nature when um, the the Celtics ref, they were saying that he was a, a huge Celtics fan. I mean, I know you can't stop people from, from having an actual life outside of their, their job, but certain things like that has to be taken into account. And, and if that's the case, then, yeah. Nah, he was a super fan. He had <laughs> his family dripped out in Celtics gear too. Yeah, that's that definitely and, sounds like a conflict of interest to me. Yeah, and have, his his record his record with the Celtics is, is better than Larry Bird's. Better than <laughs> he has some home cooking going on. He, he has a franchise record in wins, so. Yeah, those those are two things that I think is is something that has to be looked at. For one, that some refs can be biased, and um, the other one was just the fact that they're, they're human. Like you're not going to be able to see everything. I know a lot of refs sometimes are lazy, so they're not even 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 in position to see what is actually going on during live play. So. That's a fact. I know it can also be difficult on them because I believe this year was the first year where they've kind of changed the approach for the officials. And now the the officials are instructed uh, before they call a foul, they're instructed to see the play, like see the play happen, see it unfold, see the foul, know where the ball is, and then call the foul. Yeah. And it's, that's hard to do within a, a, a game-time situation, yeah. Yeah, so. I, I, I don't really – I feel like that's just kind of, you know, they almost asking for the call to be late or to be to be missed in a sense because they have so many things to worry about before they're even able to make the call. And it's kind of like they're just – they're almost watching it (laughs) from a fan perspective. 
Yeah, because I feel like some of the calls that they make just ordinary be predetermined, and now this takes out that predetermined nature for them. So I feel like it definitely can be a little bit harder for them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, man, hopefully we see some some changes with those late game calls. I personally think that there needs to be some type of accountability with uh, ref referees and those late game calls that are missed. I'm not saying they need to get suspended or fined, but I don't know. Maybe they got to go through some like type of training. Uh, when they miss those calls, just so just make so they can <laughs> make it run suicide. Yeah, <laughs> we just need something so they can you know have an incentive to get better. Because right now it's just if they miss a call, it's like oh we're sorry, and then nothing happens. Like they need to get fined or miss games. That's what they're doing in Europe. If you miss a call, you gotta you miss it not also pay. I feel like that's that's only fair, especially missing those type of calls that determine a game at the very end. Like those type of things can't happen. Definitely, man. Y'all, y'all boys got anything else? I uh, just believe that this was a, a, a great conversation and something that's definitely needed because of. There's just a huge disconnect, I'll say that much, in terms of the officiating that's going on this year. So, yeah, I hope it get cleans up by the March Madness and the finals. That's all I want. Most definitely. Same here. But, man, we appreciate, appreciate y'all for tapping in, man. Appreciate y'all boys' time this morning. Uh, uh, we got this new new podcast that we're going to be putting out on Anchor. We're going to be doing audio only. Appreciate all y'all for tapping in, all the listeners. Um, As always, go tell your friends to tell your friends that the new podcast just dropped. Thank you for the support and we'll talk with y'all next time. Peace. Peace.